Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. Following the recent successes of a number of teams from the Bear Peninsula, we'll be casting our eyes west this week and chatting to Joe Blake of Bear at GAA about some of the positive stories coming out of the division, despite the obvious geographical and demographical challenges they face. We're also going to catch up with members of the Skibbereen women's rugby team to chat about their season so far and the women's rugby scene in West Cork generally. But we'll start with the Cork footballers again this week and their crucial win over down at Porca Cueve last Saturday evening. With their backs against the wall and in desperate need of their first league win this year, Keith Rickenside kept their hopes of survival alive with a 116-112 to victory. Kieran, you were one of the very few people at a largely empty Porca Cueve on Saturday evening. Were you impressed yourself with Cork's first win? Under Keith Ricken, our first win of note, he obviously won some games in the McGrath Cup. I think this is where we should insert the Alleluia kind of just this noise from, from, from above because at the sixth attempt, the Cork footballers finally did it. They finally won their, their first league game of the season and they deserved it. Um, it was a basement battle. Cork and Down were the bottom two teams heading into the action last Sunday. And like you said, it was an almost deserted Parky Cueve. I put up a picture just before the game saying, um, count the fans and win a prize because over over in the North Stand it was just just fans dotted and I, I can't remember them calling out the actual attendance on the day but Jesus, there wasn't over a thousand maybe 500 600 like which is pittance and it's lost in, in, in a game like that and you just and you, before we talk about the football you almost feel for the footballers like when they're when things it's, it's a young team it's a new look team they're looking to try to get that important first win and then you're looking to the stands and you can almost count the fans. So it's just... Um, well, um, just on that point, didn't uh, Christy O'Connor actually count some of the fans for his column in the Echo? He did, yeah. I think he got 79, wasn't it, in, in some section, which is 
which is in, in, in 79 in one of the two main stands. Oh, it's 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 um, just like I said, we think about the footballers, they need support, and we know the cock footballers, um, of the hurlers and the footballers, the footballers are the the lesser supported of the two, like that's no secret, but still, like Jesus, you'd hope that more would turn out to give this young young team a boost because there will be good days again at some day in the future, at some time in the future. And um, this is obviously it's a low moment for cock football, it's a big rebuild, and we talk about it a lot in this podcast. We've also talked about how this team needs support as well. And that support was lacking. It was lacking there on, on, on Sunday when the team needed defence. In fairness to the fans that were there, there, they got behind them. But when you've only a handful of fans in a big stadium, they can't really make that much noise. And, and the noise get, just gets lost in the emptiness. But in fairness to... Well, you have to say just um, briefly on the fans before we move on, the kind of relationship has to go both ways to some degree. The team has to give the fans something to cheer about and for the last five games they were beaten and over the last number of years there have been very few great days out for the fans so you'd have some sympathy for people deciding to stay away especially on what was a bank holiday weekend and coming off two days of potentially uh, heavy enjoyment and merriment from a section of Cork people. There is there is an element of, of course success breeds success of the Cork footballers we're going really well. You, you would have more fans there. But when you look at all, all the players from the different clubs right across the county and so on, you would think that you would get more than what you saw at, at Parky Cueve last um, last Sunday. But the good news is that the Cork footballers did win the game and they're now heading into Sunday's clash against Offaly with their fate very much in their own hands. But just looking back on the performance against Down, what, what kind of stood out to me was Cork had the firepower on, 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 on Sunday. You had Stephen Sherlock has obviously played the last couple of games. He's getting his run at county level now and he got 1-7. He got the crucial goal in the first half and Kahlo Mahoney's back from injury too and he got three points as well. And those two fellas just seemed to shoot on sight and they combined for 1-10 between them. And when you think that Brian Hurley was there too, but he'd a, he'd, he'd a very quiet day. He'd, he'd an off day. Like Cork, this Cork football team has firepower there in the likes but of Sherlock. Isn't, isn't Mahoney, that something... Yeah. We've been asking for, for a number of years now, um, on a day when Brian Hurley doesn't shoot the lights out, that someone else picks up the slack. And on Saturday, there were two forwards who managed to pick up the slack. So that's what you need in a competitive team. You need players to share the scores around. Exactly. We Paul Kerrigan on the podcast uh, earlier on in the league, and he was saying like that, that teams will sauce Cork out very fast if they're, if they're overly dependent on Brian Hurley. That's why it's good to see Sherlock step up. It's good to see Conor Manny back from injury. And he, he play, I thought he played very well in the first half. He got two points in the first half and one in the second. And some of his scores were really top class. And Sherlock, like I said, got that goal in the first half that gave Cork some breathing space, put him one five to four points up. And he was clinical from place balls as well. And he's he's finding his feet at county level. So from, from that point of view, from an attack point of view, it was a lot more positive. Colin McAllen probably, probably had his best game in the league so far. He chipped in with two points as well. So there was positives to, to take from that. Uh, defensively, there was another injury again. Kieran Histon went off very, very early, and that's almost a a trait of Cork football over the last couple of years. The injuries that that, that they've suffered. If you look at the Cork defence for a moment, Sean Powers out, Liam O'Donovan is out. Now Kieran Histon is out. Morris Shenley is out. Daniel O'Mahony stepped away. So you're talking four or five starters there straight away that aren't involved. And of course, Saint Finbar's Billy Hennessy, who um, played a couple of games earlier in the league, has also stepped away from the footballers. So. I just named off six footballers there, which is a full defence that aren't available right now for, um, for, for Cork. So hopefully at some stage, Cork will get their, their full hand back. They won't have him back for this Sunday against Affaly, but um, 
it's it's a must win game, and I don't think Cork could have. If, if, if you were asking us before the down game, Cork don't have their fate in their own hands. If they beat Affili or even get a draw, they stay up. So it's a considering what's gone before and all the defeats and the low moments. Um, Cork could still finish the league as a Division Two team, and I think that would be a success given what we've seen. And Kieran, you mentioned this weekend's game against Offaly in Tullamore and the need to either win or draw, but this is by no means a gimme. This is an Offaly side that has been competitive in Division 2 despite finding themselves in a relegation battle as well. They only lost to Galway by four points in Galway. They drew with Mead, a side that beat Cork. So John Mohan's side will not fear Cork coming to Tullamore. No, they won't fear them at all. And they will have home advantage as well, which will will count for something. So just to, to get technical for a second, um, down are relegated. We know down are gone. And then you have Cork and Offaly are both on three points. So it looks like it is a relegation kind of showdown between those two counties. But technically, Clare, who are four points, are still in the relegation mix because a draw between Offaly and Cork would take both of those teams to four points. Clare would stay in four points if they lost to down. But what Clare have in their advantage, they have a much better scoring difference. They're at minus seven, Cork are minus 27, and Offaly are minus 34. So Clare would have to lose by a hell of a lot against down on Sunday to be relegated. So I think we can almost park Clare to one side unless there's a, a huge shock or huge score up in Newry, because this will come down to Cork and Offaly in Tullamore on, on, on Sunday afternoon. So it'll be, well, it is always a championship-like game because Cork need to win to survive, and it's the same for Offaly. So there's a lot on the line for both. You'd hope that Cork would go up there with a spring in their step off the back of that first win against Down last weekend, um, 116 to 112. Like I said earlier, um, Good few plus points there in the likes of Sherlock, Cato Mahoney. Pat Matty Taylor had a very strong game. I said Colm O'Callaghan played well. Ian McGuire, as he does, stepped up again. So there's a, a couple of, of Cork players playing quite well at the moment, but they need more than that um, against Offaly. But there's the, the, at least it's trending upwards um, right now. That's not to say it'll be pointing downwards again after next Sunday, but at least Cork are going into this game in a more positive mindset than they had been earlier in the league. Well, we were speaking on last week's podcast about a pathetic Cork performance, as Colin O'Rourke put it, against Mead. So, yes, it's trending upwards, but it's one win at home against the worst team in the division, a team that lost at home to Cork's opponents this weekend. But just to focus on a number of things before we wrap this chat, and one of them is uh, Michal Martin seems to be... Keith Rickens' preferred choice at number one now. He started the last two games after a bit of um, trial and error in the first number of games. How did he look on Saturday evening? And would you agree that he seems to be Rickens' number one choice as we edge closer to the championship? If you go back to the Galway game, Chris Kelly from Aero, who wasn't going that day, came off injured. So I'm wondering if, if Chris Kelly, and he wasn't even on the subs bench, the um, uh, looking here at the match program last Sunday, it was Dylan Foley was the was the sub goalkeeper. So so Martin is, is is back in goal. He made a very good save in the first half. Um, the shot was was kind of straight at him, but he still saved it well. Um, at a I think it was three points apiece at at that stage. His kickouts still aren't the greatest. I'll be quite honest. You know, there's a bit of work to be done on on his kickouts, but he's. He's held his jersey for the for the last couple of years, and you think of the like of Mark White from Clannacilty, who's not involved this year. Mark White was probably the most impressive goalkeeper in the Cork County Championship last year, so he he just just hasn't put himself available. He just wants to take a break from 
from from the inter-county scene. So Yon Martin does have the number one jersey right now and another solid performance against Offaly this Sunday. You would think that he'd be almost nailed on for, for that jersey come championship in May. And finally then, Kieran, we spoke about Stephen Sherlock and Cotlow Matney already and their strong performances and the fact that Brian Hurley probably didn't have his best game. But that full forward line, if they're all firing, would rival any in the country, surely. They look, the two lads looked excellent on Saturday and we all know how good Brian Hurley is. So if this Cork team is going to win this weekend and do anything in the championship, it's all really going to come down to those three men. I think so, yeah, like there, there's firepower there. Brian, I'm not sure, is Brian still struggling with that shoulder injury that he had a couple of weeks ago? Um, he said out the game against Galway, I, I keep looking at us after that game, that he he suffered that injury against uh, against Derry in, in the game before. And Brian has been quiet in the last two games. But the good thing is, even though Brian Hurley has been quiet, Stephen Sherlock has stepped up and Cahamani stepped up as well the last day. So Cork, Cork have firepower there. And um, think back to the Cork over the 20s, Cahill he was just a, he was a class act there. He really stood out, and everyone was kind of excited to see what can this fella do when he steps up to senior. And um, if, if Sunday is a is it something to go by, it's 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 encouraging. Again, like you said, granted, down are the worst team in Division Two. So I suppose everything we we say in this podcast and this chat has to be tempered with that. But we also have to take into fact that Cork themselves haven't been great, and they've been pretty disappointed in the league so far. So. The fact that they got that win, they got 116, they tightened up at the back because Cork had the worst defensive record in the entire league going into last weekend. They conceded an average of 20 points a game, like, and that's through the four divisions. So Cork produced that, they conceded 112 the last day. They didn't give away as many frees and scoreboard positions too, which is another, um, I suppose it's, it's really baby steps with this Cork team at the moment because they're not going to win in All-Ireland this year, they're not going to win in All-Ireland next year or, or the year after. So... It's about incrementally this Cork team getting better bit by bit by bit. And last Sunday was a small step in the right direction. But that performance or that result will count for nothing in a way if they don't get the result against Offaly on, 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 on Sunday coming up. Because if Cork can preserve their Division 2 status, at least then they're going into the, into the Munster Championship with, with, off the back of a strong end to what would have been a pretty disappointing campaign overall. Well, as we've mentioned several times now, it's a huge game against Offaly this weekend. The biggest of the Keith Ricken era so far. Kieran, firstly, are you going to be in Tullamore? And secondly, gun to your head, can they get the job done? Well, I've been in Tullamore, that's up in the air right now because I'm in Viva on Saturday for Ireland against Belgium. Um, so looking forward to, to that one. And then it's Mother's Day on Sunday, so I'm going to have to use all the brownie points I have this weekend to get up to Tullamore, but hopefully I'll get up there. Um, it's, it's a big game for the Cork footballers. And as uh, putting a gun to my head, I, I think Cork could do it. I think um, just, just off the back of what I saw the last day, um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't put my house in it. I wouldn't put my car in it. I wouldn't put my, um, this microphone on it, to be quite honest. You just don't know what <laughs> you're going to get. Put your lunch money on it. Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get with the Cork footballers, um, such as been their, their inconsistency. And it's, it's been flashes during the league. There was flashes in that first half against Galway. There was flashes at home to Clare in, in that second game. There was flashes and more more consistent flashes against Down. But again, it was a poor Down team. So I think we learned a lot about this Cork team on, on Sunday. We learned a lot about their character as well. And just on that for, for a moment, twice in the second half, when Down came back to within a point, against Cork, you were thinking, oh Christ, this, this could go wrong here, given the fragility 
of, of this Cork team. But both times they answered, and Cork kicked four of the last five points against Stone on on Sunday, which was which was impressive for a, a team under pressure, a team that hadn't won a game in the league this year, a team that's getting that's getting criticised so nationally by the on, on, on the Sunday game by the likes of Connemore Rourke. But they they stood up and they showed a bit of character in the end last last Sunday, especially in those final couple of minutes. It was down to a point or two points, and down had a chance for a goal, and it just went wide. The their wing back punched a punch a chance wide. Cork went up the other end and they tagged on a couple of scores. So they showed they showed decent character there and they're going to have to show it again even more if they're going to get a result in Napoli on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed they can get the job done. Well, we're going to stick with GAA, but we're going to switch our attentions to the Beira Peninsula because a number of teams and schools from the division have been racking up Excellent results in recent weeks and months. And Kieran, you've been chatting to Joe Blake of Beira GA about how these things happen on Beira, despite some of the challenges they face, both geographically and demographically. So, tell us a little bit about your chat with Joe and why we're discussing Beira GA on this week's podcast. I just thought it was a good time to catch up with Joe. And Joe is the former Cork GAPRO, but he's also secretary of the Beira GA board, and he's heavily involved with his own club. Adrigold as well, but it was a good time to almost touch base with Beira because they've had a bit of, bit of success over the last couple of months. Or come back to December when um, when Beira beat Ballon College one eleven to one ten to win the Rebel Oak County Premier One Minor Football Title, which was a a big win for the division. And just a couple of weeks ago, Beira Community School won an All Ireland School Senior D Football Title as well, and that's drawn in players from various clubs across the the division. And also in the last couple of weeks, Vera appointed Andrew Fitzgerald as their new senior football manager. And we had Andrew on the podcast for, for a chat. He's a he's a Clarny man who they brought in an outside voice, a fresh voice that they hope will will almost reinvigorate and refresh the Vera senior football team because Vera hadn't competed or haven't competed in the county senior football championship. I think it's since since 2019. They set out set out the last two championships. So they are. Coming back this year, the Bears senior football team, they're having their first training session this week as well. Like I said, they've had that underage success with the Bears, the Bears minor football team last year, and the, the the secondary school team as well. So it's just a good, good, good time just to gauge the mood in Bears because, um, to, to be quite honest, a lot of the time Bears almost forgotten about. Um, it's it's almost West West Cork, and they haven't had this success over the last couple of years. But they're after a bit of success in, in the last couple of weeks and months now. And like we hear from Joe now, the plan is to try and harness this underage talent, put a structure in place to make the most of this um, these promising young players that they have. And also, it's 25 years since Bear last won their, their, their last county senior football championship. That was back in 1997. Uh, it's incredible Bear team led by Kirano Sullivan beat Castlehaven in, in the county final. So... 25 years have gone from that. So there's a plan in place by Beira 2 to honour that team this year. So there was a lot to catch up with Joe Blake. It's been a good couple of months for Beira G off the back of the minors, winning the Premier 1 minor title in December. And in the last couple of weeks, Beira Community School have brought an All-Ireland title back to the peninsula as well. And we're delighted to be joined on the podcast this week by Beira GA Secretary Joe Blake to have a chat about Beira football right now. Um, welcome back to the podcast, Joe. Hi, Kieran. How's it going? All good here and all good in Beira. I, 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 I'm gauging from the from the results over the last couple of months. So, like I said, there the the minors won a county title. The the, the school secondary school won a All Ireland title. So, what's what's the mood like in Beira G right now? 
Yeah, it's it's very positive. Um, as you alluded to, we won the Premier One Under 18 uh, competition last year. We defeated Ballon Colleague in the final, so it was only our third ever um, Under 18 title. The, the minor was kind of under 17 last year, but this was under 18 because there was no minor in uh, 2020. So we had won it previously in 1988, and we'd also won it in 2003. So last year we beat Ballon Colleague by a point uh, down to Manway and look, a great result, a very good team, uh, great management, a lot of people involved in the background. Then, as you mentioned, uh, schools win um, last week, uh, great result again. A lot of credit has to go to uh, the teachers, the, the parents, the, the, the people in charge of the team and Look, I suppose I would have to mention the late guard Aidan Kremen, who did a lot of work with these with these guys when they were coming up through the ranks. And obviously, look, Aidan passed away, unfortunately, last year. But a lot of people remember Aidan and the work that he's done. So look, and look, the school, they, they won a couple of all arms previously in 94 and 2010, I think. So look, I mean, it's... Um, there's a good kind of a good feeling around bear of football at the moment that these young guys are coming through and hopefully that will rub on rub off on their on their clubs and rub off on on, on bear teams in the future. After Bear beat Bell and Colleague in, in, in that uh, Premier One final back in December, Kiran O'Sullivan said this has put Bear of football back on the map again, and it certainly did. And I'm just thinking now off the back of the school win that Hurl Ireland, it's really put Bear of football back on the map. And you touched it there too, Joe. This is kind of this is underage success. There are two young teams who've brought success to the to the division. So how important is it for Bearer now to almost to maximize this talent that's in the division at the moment and put the structures in place to make the most of, of, of these, this talented generation on the way up? Like I, I look back there, I alluded to the, the minor team in 88 and um, look, 1988, I know it's a long time ago, but if you look back on it, um, we won three counties that year. We won uh, under 12B uh, and under 14B and we won the Premier Minor. And it was actually a lot of that, those under 12s, especially the under 12s, some of the under 14s, and the minors that came together in 97 that won the county. And that minor team of 88 had actually won a county back in 83. I remember one of my own brother. Well, I don't remember it as much young, but one of my own brothers was on the team. We still have the picture here in the house. And they were nurtured and they were brought along and they won under 12 in 83. They won another 16 county in 87, minor 88. They lost then. They didn't win in under 21. They lost to um, O'Donovan Ross in the final. A lot of those O'Donovan Ross lads won the All-Ireland with Skib. So a lot of those lads were brought through and they obviously went on then to win the 97 county senior. And if you look... Um, with again going back to the under 12 team in 88, they were brought through. I think they won an under 16 county, won two under 21 counties, won a school all Ireland, and they were brought through as well. So, this is, I suppose, it's up to us now as the bare board in conjunction with the clubs to work to make sure that we are able to bring through these players. If you look the, the, at that team last year, there was a number of the um a number of the lads, the likes of Dylan Crowley was a, a cock miner last year. And you also had Fenton Finner, who uh, was a cock miner the previous year. 
And he's actually, I think he's in with the Cork 20s this year, and he already got a run out in the McGrath Cup this year. So there's a lot of experience, a lot of guys have got already got exposure to Cork teams already from that minor team and that school team. But hopefully we can bring them through. But we also be, need to be bringing teams behind them because usually one team, one age group on their own won't necessarily do it. They'll have to be backed up by another team. And um, so, look, we'll bring through these players, work with the clubs, work with the players, put the right structures in place. But hopefully we need to be bringing through another team in the next year or two as well so that we can um, be, you know, um, make, make it make it a strong a strong group overall. There must be a lot of reasons for optimism and almost a feel-good factor in with Bera GA in general and, and the clubs there, considering the success that the that the school team and, and that Premier One minor team had um in, in, in December. And I'm I'm thinking too the fact that there's a new Bera GA senior football manager in there as well, Andrew Fitzgerald, who'll bring a freshness and new ideas to the to the whole setup. So it kind of it, it feels like it's uh like I said there, there's a lot of reasons for optimism in Bera right now. Yeah, I suppose look, the last couple of years, we didn't have a bear senior team. Um, we had the last time we played was in 2019 and we lost to Shandun in the first round and that was a straight knockout gone. Um, basically due to COVID and, you know, because the seasons were so condensed in 2020, 2021, we didn't have a senior football team. So when you put together the 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 minors or the under 18s winning in um, last last year with the school winning last week and with a, a bare senior football team and with a new manager and an outside voice it's kind of like a new beginning you know it's like a new page it's a new chapter it's also 25 years since um bare won the county you know in 1997 and there's a kind of uh, obviously people are reminiscing about that but not how long they're looking back but they're also looking forward so I suppose this team of young lads that are coming through at this age, under 18, under 19, it's kind of giving, giving people hope and look belief that, you know, especially, especially with winning, beating Ballancolic, that goes to show that we can mix it with the best in the county, you know, and that's very important that as good as the All-Ireland win was, was a couple of weeks ago, that win last year, at the tail end of last year, that's very important because that just goes to show, yeah, we can go out and we can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the county and we can be the best. And I know, I think in the quarterfinal, they had to go down to Castlehaven and play the Haven away on the lights. And that's, anyone who goes down to Castlehaven, playing Castlehaven is one thing, but going down to their own backyard and getting a win is a great thing. So look, um, it would give them the belief, but look, it's only what, it's only another step in the journey people they just have to keep pushing on and, and, and moving forward and not get complacent and just drive on from here you mentioned there that the, the Bear senior football team wasn't in action the last couple of seasons for various reasons but it is there this year how important is it for the division to have the senior fo- football team back in the championship and to also have a successful senior football team yeah it's it's, it's very important that we have that we have a team because like our clubs vary from Junior C, Junior B, all the way up to Premier Intermediate here. So we've only six clubs in the division. So it allows those um, players from the clubs to play at a higher level. And that will benefit them. It will benefit Bearer, but it will also benefit their own clubs. So if they're playing 
uh, senior football. They're going, they're going to improve, and then when they go back to their clubs, they're going to bring that back, and they're going to, um, to know, improve themselves and improve the team. So it's very, very important that to know that we have a team and that we're not just fielding for the sake of fielding, that we're putting the right structures in place on the field, off the field, and making sure we're preparing the best we can. So come championship in June, we can uh, we can take the field with confidence that we've left no stone unturned in terms of our preparation. And we mentioned too, there's a, there's a new man in charge. Andrew Fitzgerald is the is the man tasked um, with the with the, I suppose with the job of bringing success to the Bears senior football team. He's a man from outside the division as well, so that means he's coming in there like he's got like a new voice, a new freshness. But probably important too, Joe, that there's a big buy-in from the clubs that they, that that they that they commit to the to, to the senior football team as well. Yeah, um, I mean, Andrew, I met him over and uh, we had a few trips over to Killarney, myself and the, the Bearer chairman, Michael Murphy, and we met with Andrew and I was very impressed. And one of the things that, you know, impressed me is that he said, look, everybody who's training uses a football, so we had to go off and buy 30-odd footballs. To, uh, I think O'Neill had to go off and go making a load of footballs for us, but we've over 30 footballs got this. There seems to be a great interest. There's, there's um, a lot of lads have put their hand up. We're, we're starting training out this week and we're kind of look, doing in conjunction with the clubs and um, a lot of communication with the clubs because the clubs have a lot of games between league games and there's also going to be champs, uh, Junior B Championship in, um, in May and there's also Tom Creedon Cup. So there's a lot of games coming up. And in fairness to Andrew, he knows that he's been involved with the division side before, but it just goes to show the interest he has. He was over in Castleton Bear last uh, Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, watching Castleton Bear versus Ahada in a league game. And he's on to me saying, one of the other teams playing, I want to come over and watch them and I want to see the lads who are playing. So it just goes to show the, the level of interest and commitment that Andrew has to this. And look, I think we, we have buy-in from the players. We've had meetings with team management in terms of from the different clubs. So I think we have a good buy-in from the players, from the, the team management, and hopefully we keep the lines of communication open between everybody so there's not too many bumps in the road in the year ahead. And it's a very special year for the Bear Senior football team, like like you mentioned earlier, Joe. It's um, the, the anniversary of the, the 1997 Cork Senior Football winner. Jesus, that was a... Can, can you believe all those years have passed since since Bear Rubber Crown champions? It must bring back some great memories for you. It does. It does. Uh, Twenty five years ago, I was I was I was in my I was in Bear Community School. I was doing my leaving cert, and one of the lads in the class actually, Tim O'Shea, he uh, he was the sub goalie, and he came on and uh, he came on the final. So we had a good connection there, uh, the the school and the class and um, it was funny we just we were already putting plans in place for the for the reunion for the gathering so obviously they'll have their day out um, in Parky Cueve in probably October time when they'll be introduced to the crowd and if, if the last couple of teams the likes of the Haven and Bantry and Clan are anything to go by the Bayard fellas will, uh, will enjoy themselves their the WhatsApp group is already set up and they're planning and they're, they're ready to go and we're hoping to do an event in uh, September down here and bear ourselves so we're hoping to announce that shortly and uh, but no I mean 97 was fantastic because obviously the week afterwards they won under 21s 
So you had two counties in the space of a week. And uh, I mean, the fact that it was Bear at Castlehaven and all West Cork Derby, I think there was 17,000 at the first game. I think I think it was 12,000 at the second game. And they're only crowds that you would dream of now as a, a football final. And um, look, it was it was a great time. 96, they had won the, the under 21 as well. So we knew that they were near. And but 97, I say, you could nearly write a book on it. <laughs> so it was it was brilliant, and it, it, the lads put in a massive effort. But it just goes to show, if you look back in '97, like they won the senior county, they won the the under 21 county, but Castle Bear also got to the intermediate football final. They lost to Douglas, I think, after a replay. And it just goes to show when there's cooperation and communication between different groups and different teams, it can work. You know, and I know now it's different because with the uh, with the new championship um, set up, you instead of maybe back in '97 where you had straight knockouts, now you have group stages. There's a lot of overlapping. You also have uh, relegation. So, but it just goes to show back in '97, Bear had more or less you could say a senior team on the 21 team and. Castle Bear and Intermediate Team all in the county final, yet they're all able to train and alongside each other and, and play as well in, 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 in all the different weeks. So um, just goes to show that divisions can work and hopefully will work this year. A couple of years ago, I did a big kind of long read, a big feature into Bear's 1997 win and won a lot of characters. I was speaking to at the time and they're telling me about the, 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 the trip to, to, to Malaga. Was it the, the chartered flight to Malaga? So any plans from, from Bear to take the, take the reunion tour back, back into the air and back to Spain? I don't know. Would they be left back? <laughs> I don't know. But um, no, um, that was a question actually asked last week by one of the players. Were they going back to Spain? But uh, no, um, I think I think we'll keep it local now at this time, unless uh, maybe Don O'Sullivan, the manager back in '97, wants to get on to and charter another plane there. Maybe I'm sure he wouldn't have. Uh, there'd be no shortage of takers to go back in there. But I suppose my role is uh, involved in the how would you say the organising of the event in September in Bear, and also making sure the lads get up and down to. Parky Cueve on county final day and uh, out onto the pitch. So if anybody wants to go to Spain, someone else can organise it. I'd say if, if there was a flight going to Spain in the morning, you'd see a lot of hens pop up around around Beira. Fellas would, would be only too too eager to get across and enjoy the sun and the crack. But before I let you go, Joe, talk to me about the background. Did anyone listen to this podcast on our one of our audio platforms? You need to watch on our YouTube channel because you have a very impressive background. Joe, tell me a small bit about it. Yeah, that's the. It's a background I use on all my Zoom calls, to be honest, Kieran. And it's uh, it's amazing how many people comment on it. It's when I was um, PRO of the county board, we'd have a lot of meetings with uh, people in Munster and Crow Park, and they'd be commenting on the the background as well. It basically the background is of Adrigal. It's of the pitch in Adrigal and it's of the floodlights. The first night they were turned on, I think we put in floodlights about two years ago. Uh, new floodlights and um, they're the only floodlights on the Bear Peninsula and I say I'm not sure if there's even floodlights in Khmer or Bantry so they're the, they're the only floodlights around and that picture was taken by one of the committee members Sean O'Shea he went up to a place called Massmount which is high above the pitch and he took the, the picture and I, 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 I really liked the picture for a number of reasons first of all it's a fantastic picture 
and a fantastic setting. You can see in the background Sheep's Head and Round Corrid Lighthouse and a bit of Bear Island as well. But it's, 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 there was a lot of work went into that in terms of years upon years of fundraising through festivals and different uh, fundraising events. And um, we also got a grant. So obviously that had to be applied to from the government. But there was a lot of work went involved before we actually did any work around the pitch and then when we started doing it there was a lot of voluntary work for about 10 or 12 weeks doing the work and i think we switched on the floodlights in um august 2020 so no they're, they're a brilliant um facility to have for the club and also for the bear division because last year when the bear miners were preparing for their games they used to train a lot out and uh, out in Adrigal with the floodlights so i'm Delighted to be part of the Adrigal committee as well that um, have those facilities on hand. And you're, you're flying the Adrigal flag. But um, actually, before I let you go, we were talking about it before we started recording the chat that Adrigal had an away trip to Kildare in the, in the County League, Division 3 game there the weekend just gone. And I think it's, a, it's important for people maybe from outside of West Cork who listen to this podcast to, to I suppose, to note and realise the, the geographical um, ge- geographic location of Beira because it's it's west west Cork you could almost say Joe and I was just tuned into Google there Adrigal to Kildare is 170 kilometers one way so that's what two, that's Jesus. 340 round trip and it's a what it's only a four and a half or a five hour round trip in a car so like just talk to me small and, bit the, game, and, and, and the game was on the 12 o'clock yeah, Jesus, like when you put up, like, that's just one example of a, of a bearer club having to travel, put in, like, that's almost a full day. You know, that's a that's an eight-hour yeah. working day just to go, go to, to play a football game. But they're almost the challenges that that bearer clubs face when you when you have away games like that. But you just take it in your stride? Yeah, like the, two weeks ago, I think Castle Bear went up to Mitchellstown, which is even longer again. And when you consider, like, you look Western Garnish, which is next stop, New York kind of job, Garnish Alleys, and you look at the, the lads West there, who and the girls, Anna Terry and her brothers, the Terrys, anyone, Rory Driscoll, Ali Rue, the Murphys, all these people who played Party Burney, all Sean Welch, all these people and many others from West there who played for Cork. So to come over to Adrigal, it's probably about 45 minutes from West there, and then they have to go to Cork for training and go all the way back. They have about a two and a half hour journey, we'll say, just to go up in a five hours return trip, return journey just for training if you're with a Cork team. So it is a big challenge, but like we, I, I hate, one thing I hate is that I remember being involved in fixtures and with Adrigal and you'd be on the teams and they'd be saying, oh, sure, look, you're used to travelling, but we still have to do it. Mm-hmm. And we, we do, do a difference between us and maybe other teams that we don't complain about it. We just do it while other teams will complain about, oh, we have to go down to Adrigal or we have to go down to Caston Bay or Garnish or wherever to play a match. They only have to do that maybe once every two years while we're doing it once every four weeks. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so look, we were, uh, it was great to get the win in fairness to the lads. They're a big, big year ahead for the Adrigal team this year. Um, and they're putting in a massive effort. We've, I've been there at home now in, in, in two weeks' time. And look, that'll be a big challenge because I've been there and be flying it after last year. But geographically, yeah, we're like, you go back there to the school, but they're probably down numbers-wise 25% from when they won dollar and maybe in 94 to mm-hmm. now. You know, and that's a big drop in the national schools. 
the numbers, I think we've only 51, 52 in Adrigal, and that's between two schools, you know? So the numbers are dropping. And while it, so, I mean, we have different challenges down here to wherever other clubs, other, other parts of Cork, whatever. But we just we just get on with them and um, look we um, we just look we're very lucky down here uh, down here in 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 Beira with the support we get from different sponsors and businesses and I must mention them because they've been absolutely fantastic in the last couple of weeks when word got out that we're the Beira team we've had a lot of people coming up um, giving us sponsorship so I must mention them but look it. it would I swap it for any other place in the world? No. <laughs> Ask any bear person who's living here, would I go anywhere else? Not at all. And uh, with a view like that, Kieran, why would you why would you want to move and sure we're we're next door to the the the, the, the neighbours of the county bounds, so we keep an eye on them too as well. And with the success that we have had in the last couple of months, I think it, there's a there's a spring in everyone's steps. And what we might do, Joe, in the in, in the months ahead, we might get a couple of the bearer team from '97 on the podcast. You might join us yourself, and we might um, reminisce about about that journey. So I think that's something that our our podcast listeners would would love to look forward to in the in the months ahead. We might might round up some of those characters and, and bring them all together. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, there's a few of them. They're all most of them are based in Ireland. I think there's two lads in America and there's one gentleman in Saudi Arabia. So he'd be a good guy to talk to and get a few more onto the pod. But uh, no, I, the, the lads from 97, they wouldn't be shy at all. You'd have no, you'd have no shortage of takers there. We'll have to put that one into the diary. So, but Joe, thanks for coming on the podcast and continued success for, for Beira GA. All right. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Usually when we chat women's rugby on the Star Sport Podcast, it's about Enya Breen or Laura Sheen. But on today's show, we're going to focus our attention on Skibbereen women's rugby and club rugby in the region in general. And Kieran, you've been chatting to Avril Condell, Alex O'Sullivan and Michelle O'Driscoll. Yeah, really enjoyed this chat, caught up with the, the Skibbereen trio to talk about their superb season so far because um, the Skibbereen senior women's team are true to two finals in the weeks ahead. They're going to take on the Tipperary women in the Women's Munster Divisional Cup final. And we think that'll be the weekend after this, um, April 3rd. But you can check out next week's Southern Star for more details on that when we have confirmation. And Skibbereen will also take on Waterpark in the Women's Division 2 Cup final. So exciting times for, for Skibbereen women's rugby. And when you think back that the women's section of Skibbereen rugby is only on the go in the last five or six years. Started out with an under-15 team. Um, they've underage teams now. They've a, a senior team on the go the last couple of years as well. And there seems to be a lot of excitement, as you'll hear from, from, from Av- Avril, Michelle and Alex quite soon. But it's a, it's a positive step forward because... We hear a lot about men's rugby in West Cork, the likes of the Coombs and the Witcherleys doing so, so well at Munster, getting their, their chance with Ireland. But it's fantastic to see that women's rugby in West Cork is getting stronger as well. Obviously, Bentry Bay have been going for, for, uh, for a fair while. We've seen internationals like Laura Sheehan from Orhan and um, Inya Breen from Skibreen. And, and Inya Breen is in the Ireland's um, Six Nations squad and the women's Six Nations get, gets underway this weekend, but bringing it back closer to home, it was a chance to to catch up with with, um, with, with these three Skibbereen players, just to chat about 
I suppose how they got involved in in rugby. Why why they like rugby? The success of this of the Skibbereen rugby team. How how this team has developed and grown this year, and also what the future is because. Skibbereen women's rugby team isn't um, isn't content to be happy with where they are right now. As you'll hear from Avril, that they're 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 very determined to push forward. Like they have a plan, they have a three-year plan that they're that they're formulating for they they're, they're aiming high. They want to get up to the AIL, which is which is a, a huge achievement if, if they can get there. But it'd be brilliant for for women's rugby in West Cork because this team draws in players from all around the, the Skibbereen hinterland. There's even a player from Cantork who travels down to play with the Skibbereen team. So they're a team and they're up. They, like I said, a big couple of games coming up in, in the weeks ahead. And if you're not enthusiastic for Skibbereen women's rugby after listening to this chat, I don't know what will do it for you. The emergence and subsequent rise of Skibbereen Rugby Club women's section is a real West Cork sport and success story. October 2016 saw the first block slayed when the club's under-15 women's team started. Since then, the women's game has grown and grown in Skibbereen. More underage teams are added and there was success too. Just back in October 2018, the under-18 ladies created history when they won the club's first ever ladies trophy and they beat Newport in that Munster under-18 plate final. Then in October 2019, the card went out that Skibbereen were forming the club's first ever adult women's team and they were looking for players. Um, the call went out, the call was answered, and the first outing, I believe, was against Bantry Bay in early 2020, just before the pandemic struck. And the good news is that the women's section is continuing to grow and grow and develop and develop. And the senior women's team is in two finals in the weeks ahead. So I'm delighted to be joined on this week's podcast by three Skibreen players, Avril Condell, Alex O'Sullivan and Michelle O'Driscoll. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks, Kieran. Before we chat about this season, and like I said, there you're, you're true to, to two finals, which is brilliant. I just want to find out for each of you giant Skibbereen rugby club. What, what was it that hooked you in the first place? And I, I come to you first, Avril. Um, I suppose, funnily enough, I actually had started playing for Bantry when uh, Skib didn't have a women's team. Uh, so I think I did maybe a full season. And then where it came out that Skib were having a, a ladies team for the following season. So... Um, a few of us actually um, that had played with Bantry previously, we were all from Skib and I suppose we knew the calibre of the girls coming up, um, I suppose from Alex's age group at the time. Um, and we were like, wanted to be part of that. And the club had put so much work, I suppose, into uh, creating uh, um, like the dressing rooms and putting time into creating um, a team for, for that core group, I suppose, coming up. And um, that it just made sense to to come over, to be honest. What about you, Alex Tin? What was it about rugby in the first place that you thought, I'm going to try this and see how I get on? I was actually a part of Bantry Rugby Club as well for, I think, two two or three years. Um, but when I got up to the under 18 level, we had a great season starting out and just the numbers just decreased rapidly. And by the end of it, I was one of two people showing up to training. And then I heard that Skibbereen had started an under-18s team and I made the big decision to make a move, which ended up um, benefiting me hugely. Um, and I, I just, I love it in Skib. It was a great decision. Um, but it's also great to see that Bantry now have way bigger numbers in the senior level and that we're able to play them at a, at a good level. And Michelle, what about you? Are you going to complete a hat-trick? Did, did you leave Bantry too or did you start off somewhere else? <laughs> 
No, I started very kind of late in my career, I suppose. Um, I didn't start rugby until I went to college. Um, I, it was something I always wanted to do, but the clubs were just too far away from me. Um, like Bantry was about a half an hour drive and Clan was the same. So, <clears throat> sorry. So I was never able to make those sort of commitments. So then when UL was so close to me when I was living above there, it just made like the right choice to start rugby then and should then Santa Govender was our coach in UL so he kind of pulled me into the Skiverine set up then so I've been delighted ever since to be there and I'd like to say Michelle and and the rest is history like they say but like I, like I mentioned there at the outset like the club started off with an under 15 team what is it Jesus six years ago now and now it's fielding kind of so many underage teams and the senior women's team as well however to see to have a senior women's team in the club it's so so important because for the underage teams and those players who are playing underage it gives them something something to aim for yeah like we have massive underage numbers at the moment and um, so like the under 16 say for example they're competing now for the Munster Bowl final this Sunday um, we have numbers in excess of 20, I'm sure, coming out for under 14 girls and the same for the under 12s. So to see, I suppose, it does come down to that whole, if you can't see it, you can't be it. You know, that's been going around for the last little while. So um, I think to see us coming out in our first full season and having such a successful season, which I think uh, we knew we could do, but I'm not sure the wider uh, community knew we could do it. Um Sorry, Hopefully but they have more faith in us. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I think I, you know we have an under 18s team this year, because um, as Alex was saying there, I suppose that's the the age group that falls off mm-hmm. just naturally in in all women's sport. Um, that move from under 16s until college maybe there's a rapid fall off. So we're trying to. We're trying I to was stop. really lucky when I was at under 18s. We had a fantastic team, and like mm-hmm. we had loads of numbers. And I mean, I that was something that was completely new to me from coming to Bantry. I I thought, you know, having 11 players at training was a huge deal. But like, do you know, now as we get more serious, it's kind of, do you know, like we need more numbers, but like even still to have no under 18s team is kind of, it's unfortunate, it's but something we'll fix. Yeah. Alex, like we have- we, sorry. Oh, sorry, say, we Alex. really benefited that time, you know, when we were able to play against the under 18s and stuff, when we had them last year and the year before, when we were able to play even just like touch rugby or tag rugby against them last year. I definitely have felt the loss of them this year, you know, not making up the numbers in the line and stuff like that when we would train together during the summers and stuff. Alex, because you were part of that very successful Skibreen under 18 team a couple of years ago. I think there was there was eight from the club who went on to play with Munster and had a had a superb in, in, interprovincial championship. So that just shows the was the talent in the club, but almost also the work and the value of that under 18 team. Yeah, I was actually I was a part of that group that got to uh, got a summer with the under 18s Munster squad, which was a fantastic experience. And like um, a lot of people were very confused about the amount of uh, Skibreen players but um, almost all of us were on the squad uh, the finishing squad of Munster so it kind of proved we deserve to be there and I mean you know I think most of us and not all of us have progressed up to the senior women's team and you know like we're we're still playing our game we're still um, I think Abby's in and out of the um, Munster development squad and so is Emer. Um, Emer actually managed to play for the senior team but um no, yeah. <laughs> Has moved on to <laughs> <new>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say nothing. Um, 
yeah, and, and it kind of just goes to show like the quality of depth of quality in 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 the, in the squad. So I'm going to turn now, Michelle, to the, to this year's this year's season, right? For for our listeners out there, can you explain what division Skibber in and and what competitions that 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 you've played in this season and are currently still playing in? Um, so we're in Division 2. So we originally started in a development league in 2019 and 2020, but obviously COVID didn't help that too much and we couldn't finish out any of our leagues. So we're still in a, the lower division and then hopefully we will be progressing up to at least Division 1 this year and then hopefully on to AIL in the, in the coming years. But um, we're competing in a Munster Divisional Cup, so that is both Division 1 and Division 2. And then we have a league of our own then in Division 2. That's, and and like like we said at the outset too, Avril, there's a there's a couple of big days coming out over the next couple couple of weeks. You're through to two cup finals. It's the women's monster divisional cup against Tipperary women, and that we think is early April. And also the women's division two cup final, which is against Waterpark. So talk to me about about those two games. How excited are you to be in two big finals like this? Oh, we're delighted. Um, like I suppose at the start of the season, we had that was the aim. Uh, we had aimed for the two cups, the league, and we had also entered into the uh, senior Munster Cup, which is the first time uh, the Skibbereen Club has ever been involved in um, a match at, in the, the senior cup. Um, and what we're delighted about, actually, we were put out of the senior cup um, in a really close match against Shannon. It was called up early due to injury and things. And on the day we felt, you know, a, a call here and there, we could have had it. And funnily enough... Break. Yeah, for the Divisional Cup, uh, we came up against Shannon in the semi. So we weren't going to give them the opportunity the second time to make it as close. And uh, we actually, the great thing, I think, is we were always a team that could score. But defensively, we were caught time and time again with silly little bits. And uh, as the season has progressed on our scores, you can see us uh, improving there. So we were saying that we'd love to have a video of our first game of the season and where we were at the semi-final because... The, the effort, I suppose, Sana and Killian put into us, um, you know, the two coaches and where we've come from. And as the girls were saying, like, it's so hard to get us all the training because the college. Um, so anyone out there listening who's from Roundskip, <laughs> come in and play with us. We'd love to have more numbers of training during the week. But uh, to, to get to, like, to set a goal at the start of the year and see it come to fruition, it's just so satisfying. And to be able to do it, I suppose, with the group of girls that we have, Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're such a great, great culture, we're such a great team. Like the the group of girls that are there, um, it's become it's such a great. family. Yeah, mm. and that's success, Alex. Like success breeds success. Like you said, things are going so well at the moment, so it almost feels like things are snowballing. Kind of through the two big games, like you're enjoying, you're enjoying the rugby. You're saying you're you're playing, you're playing better there. So. How much fun is it in there at the moment? How much fun are you all having together? Because we're getting to the business end of the season. You're having the crack. You're winning games. You have huge days to look forward to. So it must be a great time to be a, 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 a player with Skibbereen right now. Well, I most definitely. I'd love to I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the um in the changing room at our first Shannon match compared to our most recent one. The change is just so drastic. Like all our heads were down. We were crying the first time. It was just literally heartbreaking. And then I, I'd say they could have heard us two miles down the road. The cheering, the jumping, the laughing. It was just, we like, it was a completely different thing. But now that that feeling of that first, of that win, the second win against Shannon, that's that's what snowballed. You know, we've we've kept up that energy. We've kept up that 
um, those positive focus. emotions, <laughs> they had the focus mm. and we've, we've kept it going and all of our matches have proved that. And, you know, like hopefully the snowball will continue into successes in those two finals. And then again, for like, it's not just going to stop this season, next season, season after, we're going to continue progressing and like the family is only going to get bigger. And we have to progress because uh, I can't retire. The deal is I'll retire <laughs> when we reach AIL and that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the goal. So I need it to <laughs> happen quite win. quickly because my body's not going <laughs> to last, last for much longer. But even if you're here now talking about the AIL at some point, like that shows that this is an ambitious club. Like you want to get places. Like we said, we started off a couple of years ago, cup finals now, but you're, you're looking upwards, you're moving forward. So is, 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 that, is that the aim, Michelle, like to get as high as you can, as fast as you can and go as far as you can? Oh, 100%. Like I think we all knew with the calibre of players that we have, we know that we can be AIL. Mm. And that might be a shot in the dark, but we know that we can. To outside people, it might be, but... Like with the likes of the players that we had coming up and the people who've joined now, like we know that we can, and with the coaches that we have as well, hundred percent we can reach re- that. Reach that even. Yeah. I think I know. That... I personally, sorry, Avril, you go. No, we're quite. <laughs> I I personally think of AIL teams like like Ballincollig and UL Bows. I consider them like like a mile away from where we are. But then as the season's kind of gone on, I'm like, we're we're not too different. Like we have we have it's like we all play the same game just because they hold this this rank of AIL I mean we have we have such similar talents among our own team you know we have how how many players have we that have the monster experience almost the same as in other teams you know and it's just that gap between us and and teams like that is slowly closing and it's great to see I think that um in saying that like I think you'd find it hard you'd be hard pressed to find like coaches who give more time to their team than mm-hmm. what we have like Sana and Killian like you can't they they put so much into us behind the scenes and they're always constantly thinking up something you know and even I suppose Sana even at the last match like we're a hyper team like I'd say what those two poor boys have heard from us like I'd say they could wish they could forget most of it to be honest but you know they have a great way um of bringing us back down and when you know like it's a high it's a high emotional game a lot of the time you know like um we're a very passionate side so they have a really good way of of getting us back into the zone you know if 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 we get ahead and we're kind of uh have a lapse in concentration or if things aren't quite going our way so um I think the whole the whole team from top to bottom like across the, the way like it just it just is all working it all flows really well um, and I think that's down to I suppose every individual just coming on board and buying into the culture that we're trying to set um, and like we're a team like we have a three-year plan you know we're in the middle of, of finalizing that and our biggest barrier at the moment is our sponsorship and mm-hmm. um, like we if we're going to get the AIL we're going to need support to get there um, we're all willing to put in the work. So it's just about finding a community to come in behind us, I suppose. But as well as like sponsorship, like one of the biggest things that has created so much success for us is when we have physical supporters at matches. Like mm-hmm. not even, I mean, I know there wasn't a whole lot of Skibreen support specifically at the Shannon match, but they had a load of support. And even just to have the whole sideline full of people who are watching us, and whatever team they were cheering on, like women's rugby as a whole at club level, like 
like, I mean, there was half the amount of people, less than half, a fraction of the amount of supporters of ours that there are at the men's same level in the club. And I mean, it's the same game. It's, you know, it's your friends, your family. It's, you know, if we have those kind of people cheering us on, even if even if it's, up the, if it's the opposite team, we don't yeah. expect people like a bus full of people to follow us up the country. But, you know, if we can have supporters in Skibreen just to come for an hour, come and watch us, not even say a bit or come and cheer us on. It's that support, that physical support that, you know, makes the difference as well. Alex, that's an absolutely brilliant point. Um, I'm going to deviate for a second. A couple of weeks ago, the Junior Rangers women's team were playing in the in the, Mon- the Munster Women's Junior Cup and they were the first ever West Cork League women's team to represent the West Cork League in the competition. A historic moment. And I was talking to their manager, Mike Doolin, beforehand. And he made the point that we had it in the star. He said that the women's team was the worst supported team in the club. And he said he called on everyone that, and that's, it was on a Saturday in Cannon Crowley Park, just to come out and support the team. He said they put their heart and soul into it. Usually he goes, it could be a husband or a partner or a son or a daughter would come to watch them. But you've touched on a great point there that, that we need more supporters to go to these games. We really do, like, you know, because the effort you put in, the time, like, and this is a, the time, the energy, the commitment, the passion, the love you have for the sport. So it would be great, wouldn't it, just to see more fans, just, just to come and give you that support that you deserve. 100%. Yeah, like we'd, we'd be delighted. But I suppose people don't see it either. Like in the women's game, like we have, Aoife's just come back. Her baby wasn't even six weeks old. She's sitting upstairs, you know, feeding a baby after a match, you know, like those are the things that we all do and we take it for granted. But it's a phenomenal thing to, you know, to, to have come Such just physically yeah. had a baby and, you know, play a full match and then just carry on your day as normal, you know. <laughs> and I don't think people see that side of it either. Michelle, can you talk to me a small bit about the, the makeup of this team? Like, where from, I suppose, the Skibreen hinterland, where, where are the players coming from? Is it Skibreen itself, or are we pulling from, from different directions? We're pulling from all different directions, I suppose. <laughs> I'm not a Skibreen woman, I'm from Leff, so I suppose we're starting at least from there. And then we've one girl that's travelling all the way down from Canturk. And then I suppose we have a couple from Bantry and all around screen core direction as well so andrina yep so all Brookhaven. around yep. yeah because <laughs> i have nowhere else to go though <laughs> there's no crookhaven rugby team yet don't be giving them ideas <laughs> but myself it, and angela we'll start one but it, is it actually great now that we have this this team in skibbereen like we said there's players coming even from Cantork, which is incredible coming to be part of skibbereen and they, they're all after buying into this and What's so important too, when you touched on it earlier, Avril, the coaches, like without the coaches and their, their commitment, their knowledge, their know-how, like they're, they're such an important part in this, in, in this journey. Oh, massive. Like I suppose, uh, well, Stan is probably head recruiter as well, because uh, I think, I don't know where he pulls people from, but all of a sudden he'll be like, here's this person that he just happened to meet on the street and <laughs> now they're playing. Uh, but it ha- I think it makes a difference, I think, when you know your coaches are are there for the right reasons. Not that it's, oh, it's a women's team, it's a stepping stone somewhere. Like he's building, he's building a team uh, to, as I say, like we've said it, to to really progress through the phases. It's not just a stopgap. Um, and I think when you have somebody or a team of people behind you like that, um, and you, you want to play, you know, you want to play for them. And if you want to play for somebody, you're gonna 
continue trying your best all the time. You know, you're not just showing up to go through the phases. You're you're really showing up um, because they are. And if they can put in the time, we can put in the time. They're doing it for us, really, at the end of the day. And um, like, so if we go training, like our trainings are, are a real mish of really focus and then just absolute messing around. Like, and I know that can be hard to take sometimes, but that's just how it is. And it's works they for do, us. They it take works. it. They, they think it's like they're so they're so humble yeah. but they're like they know us better than we know ourselves they know yeah. when to leave us get out, let off some steam and they know when to bring us back you know um but like sure we can't come in them enough they put in so much time and effort and even john who comes to every other training and he comes to the matches he gives he gives us his heartfelt advice and support yeah. but like just the absolute effort like just they they just give us everything and it does as Avril said really want it really gives us so much um incentive to give back mm-hmm. and Alex then the support from the club as a whole like obviously in the last couple of years you've seen the likes of Gavin Liam Coombs have put Skibbereen Rugby on the map and now we have we have the women's teams putting Skibbereen Rugby Club on the map but the fact that the club is so supportive too and 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 they're they're, they're behind you they're backing you all the way like it's very important too that the club have bought into this Oh, definitely. Do you know, I think I think Skib Rugby Club is one of the better teams for supporting their their female teams, but there's still a long way to go. Do you know, mm. I mean, where they're very much they'll back us all the way. I mean, Mark Solar Townsend, he's a great advocate for our team. Um Barry and Barry Dempsey, yeah, they're all I mean, they're fantastic towards us. They really, they really care about us and they want to see us go far. But to to go far, we do need more like it's great what they're doing but it's basics compared to um a lot of the support that the men are getting and that's not just skibbereen that's just in general but like i mean i'm i know i'm very grateful to be part of the skibbereen team because i know i wouldn't get that support as uh, as a part of a woman's team anywhere else i suppose on on that i don't think like as alex is saying like we get all the support that we ask for um but i think when you go up along the lines when you have like elite athletes getting changed outside <laughs> with dumpsters and rats running across their gear it's just it's still a work in progress you know it's a fight that we're continuing to have time and time again uh, as women in sport um, and sometimes you shouldn't have to ask do you know sometimes it should just be here's a proper match like not I'm not saying this about Skibbereen I'm just saying as women's sport in general yeah that, you shouldn't uh, have to ask but here we are fighting yeah constantly yeah Michelle, like I, I can see even from this chat alone, like the I said, the cracky habit training in matches on on the way to and from matches must be something that's altogether even the crack of training. But that fun element, how 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 important is that in all of this as well? Like you kind of you're out there, you're representing yourselves, your families, and your clubs, but you're having fun too, and that must make it so much more enjoyable. I think it's probably the most important thing because otherwise you won't have people coming back, and then if you don't have people coming back, your team falls to the wayside within a year, like you know. It, when the girls really enjoy it you really enjoy driving down on a Friday even though you're wrecked hard from work or from college or whatever you're going to make the effort to go down every Friday and you know get up then again on a Sunday morning some of us maybe mm. a little hung, more hungover than the others but like <laughs> you know you'll still get up and do it because you don't want to let anybody else down and you want to have the, the crack with them in the change room beforehand and after and stuff like that. And ever if someone wants to join, if someone's listening to this now and saying, I, I, I want to join this, I, I want to get into the action, 
how how can they get in contact with someone from the club? How can they join Skipperine um, Rugby Club? And just talk talking about your training when it happens and so on. Yeah, um, so I suppose if you wanted to get in contact, there's the Facebook and Instagram page. Mm. Um, if you go on there, or you can DM any one of us mm. um, on Instagram or Facebook, and we will put you in touch um, with the coaches, or you can just show up. So we train on a, a Tuesday during the week, uh, seven to eight, and then again on a Friday. Um, so our Tuesday sessions, like it used to be great because the under 18s were around, but with that gone now, our numbers are smaller on a Tuesday because a, lot, a, a huge amount of our team are, are away in college. Um, but Fridays are as our, our big night for training. Um, so you can literally just show up. We train on the clubhouse pitch uh, seven to eight, both nights, uh, Tuesday and Fridays. I mean, Avril, I sorry. I remember saying to you that I said we should have a, a, recruit, a recruitment day yeah. like a, a fun day and then I said to myself you know all of our trainings are fun like they're great crack they're so inclusive and like there's something for everyone there's a bit of fitness there's a bit of fun there's there's like um a load of skills there's basic skills but then there's like match plays there's you know specific position um work and there's you know there's something for everyone and it's that, always that, fun yeah that's the thing I think about rugby is regardless of the how athletic you are or you know there there's a position and a place for everybody on a rugby team you know like it really doesn't doesn't matter um and just even being part of the team on a, on a broader scale it's just it's so rewarding like this team especially like i suppose we, i played with bantry before and i played with skip and i think it might just be a rugby team like i i was 33 when i started playing rugby and it's I've played a lot of sports and I've been part of a lot of teams, you know, different sports and teams. And rugby is the only one I can say without a shadow of a doubt that it's all inclusive. Mm-hmm. There's no divides on a rugby team. There's no cliques. There's no like obviously people have better friends and things like that, but everyone is treated the same. Uh, so like I'm what do I say I'm 36 now and like there's literally girls in the team who are like 19 and you know, when you're training or at matches, there's no, there's no difference. You know, it's the same crack. It's the same messing um, until they need you to pick them up from a pub. And then I get called to do that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my job. Um, but, you know, or deliver hash browns next morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, be the mommy of the team, but they can do that and they know they can, and there's no problem, you know, and that, that's, I think that doesn't happen anywhere else where, the most junior members of a team have no problem waking me up in the middle of the night to come and collect them. Do you know? Like it seems like you there's that a... as well, Avril. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that to us as well. I have a car, I'll collect you anytime. <laughs> Before I finish up, and I know time is starting to run out on us now, I must come back to, to, to you, Michelle, about the those games in the next couple of weeks. Like we said, two huge cup finals. So what are your thoughts ahead of them? I'm looking at the, the game against Tipperary Women first. That's the Women's Munster Divisional Cup final. What are your thoughts on that? How, how, how tough will that one be? Um, so I actually went up to watch the game on Sunday um, versus Kerry. Uh, so that'll just show you how devoted uh, Killian and Sana are. So we, myself and them went up to watch the game and they will be definitely a hard side to beat. Um, they're very, very physical. It will be very sore waking up. That's mm-hmm. Monday morning, I think. Um but I do think that we have the beatings of them. The way that we played against Shannon, I, I'm very confident that we could put it out in the day. If we play as good as we did against Shannon, I do think that we're going to be able to do it. They'll have just as tough a game. We'll guarantee that. 
<laughs> and and then Michelle, it's the women's division two cup final against Waterpark, which is probably a couple of weeks after that. Then is that a an, another tough test waiting for you? Um, we beat Waterpark the first time. Was it fifteen? or something the first time and then it was like 40 by like 40 points maybe the second time um but like with covid you don't know who they had mm. in or out at that time so they were missing we, we're just players going, yeah we're just going to show up and play the best rugby that we can play and that's all we could ask of the girls i suppose Avril, before i let you go you mentioned a three-year plan earlier can you share with us what this three-year plan is or even just give us a little peek behind the curtains <laughs> isn't uh, some of some of some of the highlights of the three-year plan? I suppose, um, I suppose the goal is the AIL. That is the mm. ultimate goal. So I suppose that the plan for us is uh, creating an environment um, that people want to play and stay in. You know, mm. we have a lot of talented, talented girls on the team. And uh, when they're off in college, it's very hard to keep making them travel back to Skibbereen when there's the likes of Balancholic and Bose calling, you know. Um, so it's about developing, I suppose, the environment uh, that will keep them coming back, uh, progressing. Um, it's what we need to do and what we um, we as a club need to do and as individuals, what we need to do, I suppose, to, to make sure that we can reach those goals um, and be that recruitment, sponsorship. Um, it's just about putting it down because, as we said, at the start of the season, we set these goals. And if we hadn't put them down and all you know planned for them, we probably wouldn't have been as focused on them. So it's uh, by, by creating this plan, if we're starting to go off track, it just brings us back into focus. Um, so we know the next steps or, you know, how to bring it back. And if we're getting ahead of schedule, maybe we, we extend that goal, you know, um, whatever it may be at the time. But um, really, it's, it's just about keeping us all on the same, the same page all the way through. Like I mentioned at the very, very start, like it's a it's a great success story the the the, the Skibbereen rugby women's team over the last couple of years, and hopefully there'll be success in the next next couple of weeks. And by talking to you alone, I'm, I know there's going to be success in the years ahead. I know this team is going to go on to bigger and better things. So I just want to thank you all for your time coming on the podcast, and I want to wish you the very best of luck in the weeks ahead. Thanks so much. Thank for you so much. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Kieran, the most popular article on southernstar.ie in the last seven days was the preview of the West Cork Rally, which I think shows just how massive an event it is and a huge interest both locally and nationally. And I guess in this week's Southern Star Sports section, you're going to have coverage and reaction from the West Cork Rally, which took place last weekend. We have a two-page special um, reviewing the West Cork Rally in Thursday Southern Star. Martin Walsh has done his top job here again. So we had four local drivers in the top 10 and Martin's caught up with, with all of those. And he also goes through every West Cork driver, co-driver who was involved in the West Cork Rally and with a couple of class wins as 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 as, as well. But the, the top four, you Daniel Cronin finished fourth, you'd um, David Guest was there, you'd Cal McCarthy and you'd own Murphy. So it was it was great to see four West Cork drivers in that top ten. There was a, a a new winner of the first a new winner, first time winner of the West Cork Rally, Josh Moffat is a Monaghan man. He he drove to glory. But fierce excitement in Clonakilty and and the areas just outside over in, over Saturday and Sunday because the West Cork Rally uh, sponsored by the Clannacilty Park Hotel, had been missing um, for the last few years, obviously COVID, 
had put a pause button on that. So it roared back into action. And um, I've got a few rallies myself and you just can't beat the noise of it, Jack. When you can hear the cars, like you can hear the cars before you see them. You know, and there's, there's a great excitement to that. So it was great to see the, the West Cork rally come back. And like you said earlier, there's a huge West Cork interest in motorsport. You think back to two years ago when Keith Cronin won our best in the West competition and he beat the best in the West to win the competition. And the 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 support he got in that final against Fahidi was, was off the charts. Like that, that was incredible that um that day. That was back in the, the very early COVID days, almost two years ago now. But motorsport is strong in, in West Cork. And Daniel Cronin, who finished fourth, is obviously a younger brother of Keith Cronin. And the, the Cronin dynasty is, is still going is, is still going strong. So Thursday Southern Star, everything you need to know about the West Cork rally is in there. So it's worth it for that alone. Great stuff, Kieran. And what else can readers expect in this Thursday's Southern Star? I'm assuming there's previews of the huge Cork versus Offaly game. What else? Yeah, we have the, the, the Cork, Cork Offaly game, Cork Down game covered. Obviously, the, the Cork hurlers, um, even though they lost to Wexford last, last weekend, they're playing Kilkenny in a huge Division 1 league semi-final at Party Cueve, 7.15 this Saturday night. So we, we, we have a, a preview on that. Also, kind of wrap-ups from the from the, the county league. We have a match report about Donovan Rassabee, Clannock Kilty recently. We have Athletics too. The World Indoor Championships were on last weekend with Phil Healy and Dara McElhaney there. So we have their reaction to the to their performances over there. Um, Dara McElhaney was disappointed with his performance. He finished ninth in his heat. But we got to remember, that was only 21. It was his first senior major of the national championships. So he'll come back bigger, better and stronger. Phil Healy's preparation was hit by COVID. Um, a couple of days before, she wasn't even sure was she was going to compete in the individual event or even if she travelled to the World Indoors. So for her to win her heat on the Friday morning was very impressive. Didn't work out for her in the semi-final, but then in the women's 4 by 400 meter relay, she put in a storming leg and that, uh, and that quartet set a national record. So that was pretty impressive. So we have that. We're also unveiling the Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Junior Sports Star of the Year in Thursday Southern Star. The sports awards are on Friday, April 1st. Always a brilliant celebration of the best in the West, um, honouring the, the, the local sports stars who put West Cork on the map in 2021. So in Torres, Southern Star, you have to check it out to see who is our youth sports star. And it's a very, very talented sports person who has done incredible things in the last 12 months and who is continuing their success this year as well. And just to finish off, just want to say congrats to Randall Oak. And the Oak footballers, we, we named them last week as the 2021 Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star Team of the Year. So they will pick up their award on Friday week. So we've that and a lot, lot more, including before road bowling, the Doucha Boy um, Rolling Festival was on in Skibbereen last weekend. Big crowd there. And we have a full page report on that. So that's well worth checking out as well. Like you can see, Jack, every sport covered as per usual. Yeah, brilliant stuff. As I know, as and as always, if you can't make it to a shop this weekend, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can subscribe to the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than €2 Euro per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week and we'll have the full fallout from Cork versus Offaly. Have they stayed up? Have they gone down? We'll have it all covered. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlán.